2: Before we we get going, I just want to admit to you, my friends, and the internet at large, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite recently. Oh, okay, bud. What's your favorite emote? Is it no build? Um. Uh. But my favorite emote. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you haven't been playing that much. I've, I've played twice in my life, and I know what no oh, build oh, is. Oh, no. So, oh, no no build. Like they, they That only lasted a week or whatever. Oh, um, God. Uh, I guess yeah. I don't know Fortnite. Uh, the the new thing is they've got the Dragon Ball people in it. Oh. Goku and his friends and are there. Yeah. Um, and the new emote is the fusion dance from <gasps> Dragon Ball Z, uh, right. where, like, you fucking line up, and you can get another person oh, to line good. up with you, and you do... You do the dance together. That's great. So I'm just, I'm just playing through. I'm trying to unlock all the Dragon Balls so that mm-hmm. I can get the Shenron glider. Mm-hmm. And then I will probably not touch this game again until they do like some uh, – like the Parks and Rec crossover <laughs> or whatever the fuck thing you will get me to Sebastian. come crawling back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw a tweet that was
3: f- f- fucking Mark Zuckerberg standing in front of, like, the Eiffel Tower in the metaverse. God,
2: yeah.
0: It's and then someone quote so tweeted funny. and was like,
3: this sucks. You can be Goku with a gun in Fortnite. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> That's the thing. I – my conspiracy theory is that Mark Zuckerberg does not want meta to succeed. He doesn't actually it's a, believe it's in a, it. the producers. He has so much oh, money wow. to make it aesthetically pleasing, but he's choosing not to. He's, I, he, it all looks bad. My, Facebook looks bad. My Meta theory looks bad. is
2: the, the reverse, actually. I kind of think that he thinks ugly things look good. Mm. He's had that haircut mm-hmm. for years. And he's a billionaire. He can pay people to have taste for him. But he insists on looking like an alien in human skin. That's true.
0: Gosh, if it, if it looks good at all, if there were any attempts to make it interesting or fun— Like, it would be very easy to fool people into
3: using Meta. I mean, Liz knows this. I'm always right on the precipice of buying a VR headset so that I can work in a VR Kmart. Because
2: (laughs) (laughs) in a VR Kmart.
3: The
0: videos you've said.
3: (laughs) I've I've been getting really into, like, someone built a Kmart in VR chat. Uh Uh-huh. And you could just go work in a Kmart and then walk over and get a fucking hot and ready at the Little Caesars in the Kmart. You can go to Olin Mills, get your picture taken in the Kmart.
0: Like, most technological advancements it is for fucking oh the, the, so, the tech okay. is for fucking i yeah. just
3: want to work in a kmart i just want but wanna... you
0: can fuck in the kmart and that's the why they meet
3: and i i was always i was too young to fuck in a kmart <laughs> when, they
2: <were> <laughs> when they were around yeah Let's get to the show. Uh-huh. Um yeah, where where did we last leave Jonat? No Alicia. Angrily um, marching
1: through fake wall to Elmslow. Oh, now. yeah, that was that was the yeah, okay. Yeah, he was sort of challenging uh what what in this like clearly fabricated like reality is like hard and what's not and he just like walked through the wall. Mm.
2: Yeah so so you you've entered you've entered the wall again and and very much like the tree before it, you walk in and it is as if the universe around you is just a stretched version of this rocky edifice. You hear nothing, you weirdly see nothing else it looks like the way the sun was falling on this rocky edifice when, when you walked into it. There should be no light in here, but when you open your eyes, you just see the texture of this everywhere. It is extremely disorienting. You you notice that it's hard to keep your balance, but, you, do, I mean, do you do you keep pushing forward? Do you keep moving through? What is your reaction to, to this? Because it is much longer than when you were in the tree.
1: Well, um... If everything kind of looks like this stretched out rock face, is there any sense of like depth or or like if John reaches his arms out, does he touch anything or is it just like a void of space with like this, this texture? It's just a a
2: void of space. I mean, you do feel something firm beneath your feet, but it's really hard to perceive beyond the fact that you don't feel like you're falling.
1: Okay. I think if that's the case, doesn't see anything... I think, yeah, John walks into this new space, kind of sees that reality is also broken here, and he starts to, to like, think, "Uh Gable! Captain! Travis Manago!
2: It doesn't even... Echo. Hmm.
1: Oh, geez Okay.
2: It feels as almost like you're you're yelling in your own mind.
1: Then John, it's going to sort of test the waters by testing the earth. He's going to stamp stamp his foot down to see if there's anything to like connect with earthwise to like bring up to like the surface, like some oh, earth. Oh, that's magic. interesting.
2: That's really really interesting. Yeah, make an arcane check. Tag, I, I want get to see my say dice. This is, <laughs> I'm going to say that this is hard with two black dice. Ooh. Yeah, and everybody, uh, this is a great opportunity to get your dice out. This is going to be a dice rolling episode.
3: Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> within on three? <laughs> Although not necessarily within. On three.
2: Yeah. They don't, They you know, they don't need to be. They just, you need to know where they are. They got to be at the ready. We're going to be playing the game this week.
1: All right. You asked for it. We're playing the game. Mm
2: hmm. We're playing the game.
1: All right. Uh, geez, this is. Feels impossible. What's going on? <laughs> okay, yeah. Why did I even. What did what, you think was going to happen? So that is two failures and one threat.
2: So you. You focus up and you try to connect with the world around you. And I think the biggest thing, like, y- you're, you open your eye. I think that has to be the, the most important aspect of this. You can tell through your open eye that the world around you does exist. You can't perceive it. You're, you're locked away from it. But, like, you can feel that there is a connection to something. You stamp on the ground, you know, in a way that would be kind of summoning up the earth uh, uh, with with the kind of earth magic that you do, connecting with Sphere. But as you raise your leg, it's sort of like when you're walking up the stairs and you try to continue walking up the stairs after you've gotten to the top of the staircase. Mm -hmm. You just take a step and it's not there to meet you because in your mind and body, the way that you perceived the world around you, that like when you raised your leg, like there was rock under it because like you're perceiving kind of rock everywhere and all around you. And and the threat is that actually your body doesn't want to breathe right now because it doesn't think it's possible. You know, you, you have to really keep concerted focus to keep these actions going because – Everything about your body, and it feels like even your soul and spiritual awareness wants to believe the things that it is perceiving around you, and the only anchor that you have outside of those things is your I and your larger connection to the universe outside of yourself. And it's really hard to bring those things to war. Normally, these are things that, like, kind of work in harmony. Your your awareness of the world around you and your connection to the universe at large. You're not used to treating these as separate things.
1: Woof. Uh, okay. Well, then, I think after after, like, yelling into the void and then trying, like trying to like reach out to the earth. I feel like John, it finally becomes like very winded and like his breath becomes very labored. And so it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Kessler. <clears throat> Focus on what is here. And so he's going to close his eyes Try to leave his third eye open. And honestly, he's going to like just take careful steps backwards because he believes that the way that he came in was that way. And and so I think I'm going to do like a perception check while walking backwards.
2: Love this. I love this. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to go hard on this one. But because you've closed your eyes, there's no two
1: black dice. Okay. Perception is still. I gotta I gotta work on that. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a a young adult learning about the world. He's got to be able to perceive better.
0: Mm-hmm. We should get better at things eventually.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, we'll just be switching games. So yeah.
1: Ah, damn. Alright, so this is gonna be a failure and two advantages.
2: Hmm. Okay. So you are walking backwards and like having to actively remind yourself to breathe. You still don't manage to fully invest yourself in the perception of your third eye. I, I, I think because there's this disconnect between between your body, your soul, and and understanding your place in the universe, I, I don't think you manage to thread that needle in this moment. Instead, eventually you walk through and you're 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 suddenly like aware, even with your closed eyes, that your body feels air on it. Where it was before it was like almost. A, a, a terrible sensory deprivation that you were going through,
1: John, it immediately freezes up,
2: yeah, and I think muddled as though heard from underwater, you can hear someone shouting your name.
1: Is there any sense, well, underwater kind of implies a little directionless, but is there any sense of like it's this is coming from my left, right
2: I, I feel like it comes it comes from like like you're you're feeling this the, the air on your arm, it is coming from that direction,
1: okay. Yeah. I mean, he's going to turn to <laughs> he's going to turn around, like double check one more time that he's definitely hearing something. If he confirms that he de- he is, he's like, "All right. Well, here we go." And so he he pulls out his pistol. He holds it in the air and's like, "Hey!" And then he fires it into the air. I love
2: this. You step forward fire your pistol into the air and you suddenly like feel, you feel wind like now kind of whipping across your, your body and and shirt. You feel the sink and give of sand beneath your feet and you open your eyes and you are on the, the, the gray lighted, you know, almost desaturated beach that you were on when the captain died. You are on the beach where that battle took place and you can see in front of you, you can see Polaris standing, aiming a weapon in front of him. You can see that he's aiming at the very rock that you were huddled behind the time that you faced off with him. But... You can see behind that rock, curled up, avoiding Polaris's pistol, is Zana. And with oh, the firing wolf. of your pistol, Pol- Polaris turns his attention to you. And you can hear Zana go, Johnnet? Is
1: it, like, current day Zana, or like...
2: This is current day Zana. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think, like... John like there's so many like levels of realization when John it realizes like oh we're back on the island. Oh this is the this is the island uh the uh, of the of the mutiny. Uh Polaris, Zana and then I think on Zana John's body like starts moving without fully even parsing out the rest. Like I assume like he's going to like run <laughs> Yeah, I think like it's like zana snaps back to polaris and then like starts running in the opposite like uh away from zana's like boulder rock whatever and he's just going to fan the hammer at Pol- at polaris to just immediately become a distraction and is like all right we're going
2: <laughs> oh i love this roll your attack
1: yeah Ba-ba. ranged oh man okay uh what's this against
2: um, so this is going to be a two purple. This is like an average roll. You're at like kind of close range.
1: Okay. All right. This is going to be one of those days. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just, a, just a weird roll. Four, uh, five advantages. And then the rest is a wash. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: You move into a dead sprint.
1: I love can i I love running
2: an anime? I know it makes no sense, <laughs> but There's something really viscerally satisfying about, like, watching a character tilt forward Mm -hmm. to run. And I think especially in this environment where there is a sharpshooter that you are squaring off against, Jonnet is simultaneously trying to move as fast as he possibly can and keep himself low and small as a target while also trying to call attention to himself. There's this very quick running across the sand where you can see Polaris has like trained his pistol on you and is now tracking you. You lift your pistol in return and you're firing at each other. Polaris needs to step back because of where you're placing your shots. You need to make sure that you're moving in a zigzag pattern so he can't track you. There are rocks and things that that like litter this beach that you have to duck behind. And it's a very similar situation to the first time that you squared off against Polaris in having to jump from object to object. But you're also being an older brother in this moment. You are trying to make sure that that attention has to stay on you that he has no time to refocus on another target and also you don't just have a knife like you did on that day you have your pistol you have every skill that you have acquired in the months that separated you from that moment that made you feel so vulnerable and so terrified you also have the familiarity with danger As Polaris' bullets whiz by your head and blow up the rocks behind you, as you feel the sting of the shrapnel from that sand and rock getting kicked up and sprayed out, your only thing is focusing on how do I survive, how do I create opportunities for myself, opportunities for my sister, and your bullets manage to force Polaris into moving. You're not quite hitting him, but you're putting enough pressure on him that he cannot simply pin the two of you down. You fan the hammer, moving your shots like very quickly, focusing on the general area where he is, and you force him to have to take cover. You know there are just seconds that separate the time you reloading and him reloading and you have to make the most of that time. With this like moment, I'm, I'm going to say like we are with you as you reload. It is a moment of relative calm because of the time you've bought yourself. What do you do with that? What are you thinking?
1: Is John it's still on the beach before the tree coverage area?
2: Yeah. Are you, are you, yeah. So like behind you, like you know there are trees, but you also know that like you were you kind of walked out of those and when you are in them, you were in the Rocky cliff. So getting an idea of where you are and what your bearings are in this projection versus what your bearings are in whatever ra- reality exists that this projection is being layered onto is difficult to say.
1: Yeah. I, I think that like, we've been having shaky, you know, like, Success with it already, but I think in this moment of like the calm before the calm of a reload, I think Jonet is going to he's posted up against cover. I think mm-hmm. he's gonna like take like move at arm's length away from the cover that he's hiding under this rock, and then he's going to, you know, as best as he can. Focus up, put everything that he's got into. He's going to just, like, essentially, like, one-inch punch this rock to just, like, rocket the rock forward.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an arcane check for sure.
1: And I don't know the physics of this dreamscape, but what am I rolling against?
2: So this is going to be average. Okay.
1: Okay. Arranged attack with magic Okay uh, That is one success
2: okay. okay I am gonna say I'm gonna say that That, that, that is enough to deal the, the number of wounds I think the rock on this island Has like a very volcanic feel to it. it The edges are
1: jagged And you know black Can I describe when he like Makes contact with the rock
2: Oh, hey, please, please do. Describe right, cool. everything.
1: Instead of like a one-inch punch, he like takes the weighted end of the Kasari gama and then like just like stabs at the rock from there. And then it like the weight of the Kasari gama hits the rock. It's like transfers that, that momentum and it just like rockets forward.
2: Yeah, I think what we get, we, we get like a slow motion of that scene and we can see the force ripple through the rock before we, like, snap back to reality where, like, sound and movement hit us all at once. And we can just see this rock separate from the earth and slam forward. And you can see Polaris and it just strikes him. And, like, completely obliterates him. It's such a big rock that you send firing at at this guy. And... I feel like that creates an even sharper distance between who you are now and who you were then. Like it was so painful for you to do the thing necessary to protect yourself and to protect others in that moment. And you had to summon up everything to throw a knife before. And here you are throwing like a massive rock, the, the, the size of yourself easily skittering across the sands into this person. And apparently – Striking him dead.
1: <sighs> and so I think Jonet is, yeah, I think he's not going to leave anything up to chance. <laughs> he's going to like check the the space where the body would be. And I think Polaris! And then.
2: Make a perception check. Okay.
1: Uh, what am I? Three purple, hard. Uh, thank you. Quick rolls. What is going on? Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. That's uh, two failures and one threat. I mean,
2: all, all, you, it, like, it, it, it's hard to get more information than what you have. Yeah. Like, you know, that rock hit Polaris, like, you can see him
1: beneath this big rock.
2: You don't know what else you'd be looking for. Yeah. I it's think grim.
1: it's grim. He, like, kind of takes in the, the area. It like, admittedly doesn't see anything and then under his breath like stay down stay down this time and so then uh he immediately whips back and starts like sprinting towards where zana was behind this rock and he's just like zana zana what are you what are you doing here serious how are you here i don't know (laughs) and like you can see there
2: is panic there's fear there's confusion her eyes make contact with yours and there is relief and she just like almost lunges forward to wrap her arms around you
1: Wait, hey wait, wait, wait it's really you? Is this, are you are you real I've, I've been a lot of things in the last couple minutes hours don't know how long it's been I need you to okay uh, what was my favorite book growing up
2: John, I don't know.
1: You're at it didn't read. Get in here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you hmm. I'm gonna give you one more perception check. Ha. Tyler.
1: Okay. Uh one more perception check against Yeah. Against uh what? against hard. Against hard. Okay. All right, so that is two threats. Two threats.
2: Okay. But but a wash otherwise? Yeah. The boat represents freedom, opportunity, and labor. Here's what I'm going to give you. You had the idea in character, and you scrambled at something that you could test these visions with to make sure that you are indeed about to embrace Zana. And, you know, you tried searching your heart, for a moment, for what is the right thing for this person to say to me, to prove who they are? And the thing is, like in searching your heart, you you, you weren't able to like pull up something that like only Zana would be able to to, to say or know. And she said something that like sounded close enough to right. And the only time that you notice that something is off is moving into the embrace the way that she reaches her arms towards you and out to wrap you up in them. That is wrong. You feel that, know that and understand that just as you enter the embrace and will allow you. Oh yes.
1: Well, I mean, if that's, I think that (laughs) that then conjures like, okay, there's an embrace. It's like, I think Jonnet, it, it's like a full, full body, like all, all giving it your all hug. And then like, it was like, there's a slow, a slow settling in. of like, if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself, that's not right. And, and then I think like, Zana, it's not you, is it?
2: Yeah. I'm going to make this check here. And you feel the grip. It's not tighten, but you feel it solidify as she says, or it says, with Zana's voice next to your ear, I don't know what you're talking about, big brother. And you are now immobilized what 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 does immobilize mean in this (laughs) there are statuses in this game there are statuses in this game this just means you cannot make movement actions yeah um that that's all but yes like you you feel like i you might not even be struggling to resist it yet but like you just feel that whatever i do next is going to be a struggle yeah Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the midroll. I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season and remind our dear listeners of the upcoming holiday break. There will be an episode of Skyjacks next week, but not the week after. And we should be back in business the week following that. I want to remind everyone that we are closing in on the deadline to apply to be the host of the OneShot podcast. So if you or someone you know could be the next host of OneShot, be sure to follow the link in our show notes to see the job description and the requirements we have for applying. This is an extremely rare opportunity, and I know it's one of those moments that people's imposter syndrome kicks into high gear. Do not let that hold you back. And if you've got a friend who should do it, don't let it hold them back either. Finally, since it is the holidays and people are shopping for loved ones, I will humbly request that you take a look at the Ultimate RPG Guide series. They make excellent gifts for fans of RPGs, because as we all know, we love to buy our own RPG books, but it's rare that people buy RPG accessories for themselves. So be sure to check out the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guides, World Building Guide, and Gameplay Guide. And if you need new games, be sure to check out the Ultimate Micro RPG Collection. And while you're looking for those things, you can check out my upcoming product, the Ultimate RPG Campfire Card Deck, which is a mini-game that can be played within any RPG campaign to help your characters establish stronger relationships, learn about each other's backstories, and explore your game world. That's not coming out until August of 2023, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering really helps out book sales because it makes retailers buy more copies. As always, a huge thank you to our backers on Patreon. You make this show possible, and especially the top-notch audio production that you are getting from Casey this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to support us. If you sign up at the $5 level or more, you get access to our secret archive, which includes plenty of Skyjack's bonus content, and the bonus campaign Starwall, which is using a playtest version of what will one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. If you're curious about that, check it out. Now then, a word from our sponsors. And with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky! Let's cut over to Travis. Hmm. Travis, you stand before the Forest Queen. Welcome home, son.
3: It's been a long time.
2: Perhaps since we have stood before one another, but not since we spoke. Do
3: you notice anything
2: different? My son, you always grow, whether you are in my presence or away from it. That has been one of the joys of raising you. You are always in a state of change. Though I will admit, when last we spoke, you were in a state of distress. This is why, this is why I have brought you back home. There's much that we must sort. For the first time in a long time, I agree. I can't remember if I described this before. I believe she did invite you to tea. And we have these, like, teacups that have grown up out of the table that are blossoms. And they filled with a mixture of nectar and water that just, like, formed into this perfectly sealed cup. Uh, she'll, She'll reach to the table and take a sip and gesture, please. I believe this conversation should happen when we are both comfortable. Again, I agree. We're on a roll. I know that you have faced much difficulty, my child. More than once recently, I have had to intervene to preserve your life. And what if you don't? Then what? Then you would die.
3: But what for you?
2: Well, it would mean what your death would always mean. Grief for me. William, the reason that I reach out to you now is... Those moments where you came to touch the edges of death... They were not near the distress... That you had in your voice when you called out to me.
3: How many times has it happened before? Not with me. She raises eyebrows.
2: Whatever do you mean,
3: child? Am I I the first one? Am I the second
2: one? The third one? The tenth one? The queen frowns and puts down her teacup and looks at you. There is sadness and pity in this look. Her eyes glow gold like the sun, and they fall upon you with its warmth. As much as you recoil from her touch or any tenderness that she might offer, this warmth is undeniable. And I think, I think part of that might feel sickening or chilling. Oh, my child, I did not want you to know. This is one of the burdens that I carry. Mm. You have felt a taste of eternity, but it is my life, my lot as queen. You are not the first. In many ways, you are not the hundred. However, in others... You are a first. You are not the first William. You did not lose the first Margaret, but you are the first to be Travis Matago, And he is a fascinating man.
3: Again, I can't help but agree. <sighs> and did you bring her back? Was that you? I'm sorry? Margaret, did you bring her back?
2: You had mentioned the maiden in your call. Margaret has returned? Yes. That explains so much. No wonder you are so distressed. Oh, my child. I I cannot imagine... The pain that must have caused you. No, I would never put you in such a position. Hmm. To take away the thing that you love for so many years? Just to parade it in front of you again? That is not my cruelty.
3: No, I suppose your cruelty is different. But do you know who could have done this?
2: There are many who possess different powers. I have dominion over the forest. I have influence over its inhabitants. Every life, every death within it, can be a part of my domain. There are those who have dominion over the river. My suspicion it would be that it was one of them. Whether it was the river itself, the cutting stones, or the Rasalka. You probably have a better idea than I. I did not know the maiden walked among us once more, but you did. Clearly, some force separated me from that knowledge, but not you. Well, it seems like we each
3: hold two pieces of the same puzzle because I knew she was back and you didn't. And you knew that she was the maiden and I didn't. (laughs) My son,
2: how is it possible for you not to know that? It is funny. Every time I welcome William into my home and into my heart, Though he has heard the stories that preceded, always chooses to injure me in the same way. You are William. You are my son, the son of the Forest Queen, which can only be the Changeling. And you loved Margaret, who can only be the Maiden.
3: Maybe maybe it's something that I knew all along. Maybe it's something that I knew and forgot because I've spent so much more time being someone else than I ever spent
2: being William. She stands up and walks over to you. The way the Forest Queen chooses to present herself is circumstantial. She cannot be said to have a height the way that Gable does. But she towers over you, the way an oak might. Yet she is also within arm's reach, the way the branches of a willow might. And with caution, she places a delicate hand on your shoulder, and then another upon your brow and sweeps some of the long white hair out of your face. It is true. It is true. You have spent a long time running away from William. I, I bear some responsibility for this. In the past, William has simply perished in the river. But I could not bear to do that to you. Not again. Why not? You are different. There are many ways you are the same. The Williams that I have welcomed in the past, I have welcomed as true innocence, cast away from the world of man. But you, while you were cast away, You were no innocent. The world had touched you, harmed you. In ways. in ways that could not be taken back. You were already a man when you came to me. But you made an offer, a request, for the same kind of shelter I had offered to babes in the past to be my son. And so I opened the forest to you. And all the time that we spent together, I knew you as a man. I saw you in ways that I was never able to see the other changelings. And when you were in that water, your hands and arms intertwined with hers, and I saw the rushes begin to overwhelm. I could not stand to see it happen again, and I could not stand to see it happen the first time. And so I reached out to you and pulled you away. And in saving you, of course, I drove you away from me."
3: Now, if I'm not the first William, And she's not the first maiden.
2: How many other forest queens have there been? She smiles. And the warmth of that smile and those eyes, just like it feels like the warmth of sunlight, so too does it carry the bite of sunburn. And you feel the edges of that dance and your features which I just now realized are not I described your hair as white mm-hmm. your hair is Oromar's hair
1: mm, I, um, I i had assumed that, that was you know uh,
2: yeah but well, I think I think we did say that right now tra- Travis is perceiving his mm-hmm. body as Travis's body like this is the weird thing and the thing that should be top of mind to us and I realize we could have maybe forgotten since the last recording in this scene is that before Travis kind of realized there was the world that he was perceiving and the world that existed outside his body's perception. And for the last few minutes, he's just been within his body's perception um, at this time. And I think that does project his, his, his vision of his body onto it. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, there's, there's a flash of, like, you know, Oromar's skin as well. Even, even that is feeling like the intensity of the sun right now. And she goes, Hmm. So many questions, child. But I suppose you are old enough now. Would you like to make another deal, Travis?
3: How could I ever say no to such a request?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Easily. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. With a little Johnnet, eighties. like poof, right on his shoulder. <laughs> Easily. Easily. Yeah. Just say no.
2: Yeah, I don't even know who the the, the devil on your shoulder can only be you. Yourself. Like <laughs> <laughs> What is poof, a travis matigo?
3: I think I, I think that a little Travis also shows up on the same side as Janet, and he's like, oh, man, what are they talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what are they talking about? <laughs> you really gotta be paying attention, buddy.
3: <laughs> oh, well, let me get a closer look. And he, like, moves to go around Janet, but just, like, shoves him off the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Projection, John, it falls for a full hour. <laughs> physics worked different.
2: Yeah, physics definitely works different, for sure. The queen says, You ask for a story of mine, and I will give it to you. But you will owe me either a favor or a story of yours. Seems fair. Then I will make my favor or story clear, and you can decide betwixt the two. For my favor, I request that you never seek the company of the maiden again, so long as you shall live. What's the story? How did you two come to part ways once again?
3: You know as well as I do that's a. Between these two. The choice is
2: obvious. And I'll tell you a story.
3: A story for a story.
2: Fair enough. And, my son, as I know is your custom, I will go first. You ask me how many queens there have been before me. And it is unfortunate, but I cannot say. This is a thing that has stretched on for as long as time has been. Perhaps not as long as the Forest Queen has been, but as long as any should care to remember. It has become a story. One of the stories that defines this place in which we all live. There is a queen who bridges between the wildness of the forest and the kindness and heart of humanity. I am symbol and personage of the connection between that developed mind of a human being and that animal thing that is the forest. It is a story, though, my son, that has swept many into it across time. You did not choose to be William any more than your Margaret chose to be Margaret, any more than I chose to be the maiden, when I came across a wounded animal in my younger days. But unlike many others, there was an intervention for me. After I mended that beast who was injured in the forest, After I beheld his face and fell hopelessly in love with him, I wandered back to the world of man the way I imagine your Margaret did. But what came to me on that night was a star gently fallen from the heavens. It appeared before me And it explained that soon our love would bring us a child. That my love, Margaret's love, would be Margaret's love for William, like in the stories that I had heard when I was very young. And that necessarily, this would end with my destruction. Not upon being brought to a river... But upon the birth of my grandson, when I became the queen and I adopted a changeling, that changeling would fall in love against his will, against her will, against my will, and that love would bear a child, and that child would be my daughter-in-law assuming my life and place and I would be cast away. But I was also made aware that the Forest Queen is eternal and that stories are mutable. And so, when I rose to power, after I gave birth to my child, I told my husband, my William, that he must not leave me that he must not leave my side, because if he did, then I would be lost. But stories are stories. When when William gave me godhood, he was no longer eternal, and he aged, and he died. And when a child presented itself to me, cast away, By the harsh world, I could not find the hardness in my heart to turn it away. And I accepted it into my arms and into my forest. And I named it William for the love that I had lost. And I raised it as my own. And I explained from a very young age that all he must do All he must do is refrain from loving a Margaret. He must not allow a Margaret into his heart and into his arms, for if he did, it would mean his mother's demise. And yet, the story tore his love away from me. And I became aware that I could not punish this misdeed, that it was not within the power of the Queen of the Forest to raise hand against what she had brought into her home and domain and arms. But I was given a warning by a star, and so I sought another lumen to raise hand for me. It broke my heart but did not destroy it. So when a child came to me again, seeking shelter from the world of man, I once again offered it shelter. I once again offered it a body that would be free from disease, a life that would be free from war and violence and all of the terrible things that live outside the forest, under the stars of the sovereign. And again, it defied me turned against me. I knew that the story was driving this. The story made it impossible for me to resist. For me to resist offering a chance at kindness. Kindness mostly for William, occasionally for Margaret. The story is mutable, though. It can change. I can adopt a William I can adopt a Margaret. I can raise them to be loving and wonderful children, and then willful and bold adults who always walked down the same path, who always eventually turned their love away from me and towards another to resign me to oblivion. But I knew that I could choose to correct them, to reject the story. So I knew, no matter how many iterations it took, that eventually someone might be able to change the story further. And then you came to me. William, you came to me. I like to think, before the stars fell, there was a time when, mayhaps, your first mother, your mother in the world of man, would have seen that she was unfit, that the scars that they gave to you before you came to me might never have touched your skin. But I also know, had they not done that, those terrible things, and that awful world you were raised in until the stars fell and after when unfathomable cruelties were wrought down by a shattered heaven. Had you not come to me, that wounded thing, and had I not opened my arms to you after you were already a man, then I wouldn't have found it within myself to try and save you. But I did. William, I did. And so you grew. You grew for 200 years, near, To be you. And to eventually become this thing that you've made of yourself, Travis Madigo. And you've lived. And I have lived. And I know now that you've not brought yourself to love me. In the way that I still do you, I know that you see the things that I have done out of necessity for us both are some injurious and odious thing visited upon you, but they are done out of love. William, I could not bear to see you perish, not even for the love in your own heart, but for the love of a story. And so I plucked you from that river. (laughs) I got to pluck you from that river because you came to me not in the river before. I really think that's the key of it. When I find you as a babe, you are a babe amongst the reeds. And this time, you are amongst the reeds as a man. And that has given us all of this time, even if we have not been able to spend much of it together, and even if much of it you have spent willfully spitting towards my hand. If you do not run towards Margaret now, the story will not continue. You will be free, I will be free, and your Margaret will be free as well. I do not know how many other queens have worn this crown and have ruled these forests. But I do know that I am the first who has rejected to be controlled. And I think you might feel some sympathy for that.
3: (laughs) If you wanted to tell me That I was your favorite? You could have just said so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) She laughs and the leaves of the forest rustle with it as a breeze passes through. The breeze is so pleasant. So pleasant on your skin. And Travis, this is important as you are feeling your skin you are a spirit you are a spirit in a body a thing about life it's addictive but there is a perception that is separate from the one that you feel through the body and i feel like something rattles you from it and i think when i say something rattles it from it from you from it what I really mean is, someone rattles you from it. Within Oromar's body, within Oromar's spiritual mind palace, you feel the hands stretching from Dref's heart. Dref's ghostly visage, shaking you by your spiritual shoulders. Why aren't you paying attention? Ah! To what? And your spiritual perception opens up for a second. You see out of Oromar's body that strange tunnel vision of just being able to see through the windows of the eyes instead of using the eyes themselves to perceive. And what is in front of you is not your mother. It is not the Forest Queen. It is a being that looks like human flesh stretched taut. some sort of spindly and long-limbed skeleton beneath. Whatever it was might have once been human, but when you could have said that is long past. It has its hand on Oromar's shoulder. It was just brushing its claws against your forehead and is now drawn them to razor sharp points and appears as though it is about to plunge its spindly and sharp fingers right into your chest
0: Sky
1: We see like a port. The ship is docked. There is a huge crowd of people on land and up on the Uhuru. Jonnet has like is like looking over and just like shaking his head. He's like, oh, not this again. I'm not I'm not I'm not getting down. I'm not coming down. And I don't want you to come Come up. All right.
0: Come on, Mr. Kessler.
1: Come no, on. no, all right, this is too much. Mr. I've been in line in ages to get to speak to you. Please, I have nothing to say. I'm a the ticket
3: I'm, prices were exorbitant. Can you who just did please you pay? Sign my uh glasses that have an extra eye, you know, they're like um, they're <laughs> like um, Groucho Marx novelty glasses, but instead of a nose and a mustache, it's just got a third eye, yeah,
1: yeah, the prince third eye glasses. Yes, I yeah, know exactly.
3: This.
1: Wait a minute, all right. I'm gonna come I, I need to talk to you four, you four, you're you're the representatives of this of this mob. Come up. All well, right, I'm, th- all right. I'm gonna crush it for the absence of the Lord. <laughs> all right. Now, you four, I yeah. need to know who is making this unlicensed Jonnet merch and going to and selling it before we get to port. Um, because that person is making a fortune. It it is officially licensed.
0: Yeah, from Kessler Industries.
2: What? No. A subsidiary of Travis Corp.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we assumed that it was kind of part of your whole thing. Kessler is spelled with one S. And okay. the K in Kessler is Q-U. So it's and Kessler. there are
2: three extra T's hidden in there.
1: Y'all, okay, now now the onus falls back on y'all. Because you know me. <laughs> because that is not how you spell. How, you spell my name. You, wait, wait. you,
0: yes, who we you You, it's you, s s t- s t t t
3: l e r.
0: we thought you were French.
1: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just, just gonna, you, John John everybody, quest love, right? <laughs> what was <Q-U? laughs> that? You, John, it <laughs> quest love clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Q U apostrophe,
3: E, s t. Hyphen
1: C-E-T-T-T-L-E-R. Kessler. Okay, no, you know what? This, I'm going to settle this matter f- f- for the last time, all right? Now, I'm going to need yeah. the largest person that we have on the Uhuru. So, Gable, please, uh, if you would please show Artist? yourself. Mm-hmm. Gable, I need you to yes? be big and write something for me, please.
0: Oh, okay. You, you
1: If you can, have the time.
0: You can write.
1: Yes, but I am not. Uh, you are. You are big, and I need this font oh, to be letters. extra large.
0: All right, so I have to big letters. Big hey, oh hey,
2: God. hey, Gable, Gable. Yes. Who are you? You know who else <laughs> in their lifetime had to write something large and might inspire you in this? Hang on, let me grab this chair, turn it around backwards, sit oh. in it, and that chair—that's a stool that
1: has no back.
2: A little someone named Jonet Kessler.
3: Oh. Okay, no, 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 no no, 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 You're, no, no, you're no, gonna no, tell us no, no. about no, no. J.K.
1: No, let me write Wait, you the wrong. real I was truth JK about J.K. JK. What is J.K. circumstance? No, Gable, I'm gonna need you to put this matter to bed. Please write my name in big bold letters. Uh, my last name in big bold letters okay. for everyone to see. Hold it over the the, yes. the the ship so we can settle this right now. All right. Thank you.
0: I am. I know how to spell your name. And mm-hmm. uh, which so. Which is
1: why I gave it to you. I'll start with yeah, John dunk
0: this. Give us that, the
3: BBL, the big bold letters. That's.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, why'd you need to shorten that? Why'd you need to shorten? All right. So I'll start with John J O N. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And Gable kind of looks at you at
1: <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And,
0: um, and there's a,
1: another letter after that.
0: Another. N. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic. John, uh, has t- looking good so
1: far. John,
0: it, mm-hmm. it John, of course, you say John, it, and the letter that comes from that sound is an.
1: You're our, you're our starter here, Gable. We brought you up here because you were going to uh, crush this. So go ahead and uh, just crush it, crush it,
2: Gable. Crush it for the absence I, of a
0: guy like because mm-hmm, like like mm-hmm. the third eye that all right yeah uh-huh. and I then we just round this it. out okay. because
1: the first name was not t- why we started this t- so let's just go ahead yeah, and of course all there's right. t
0: and there's only two one two two one one there t- is one there's one t, t-, t- you know fantastic. what i
1: have to check that
0: myself Johnnet. fantastic <laughs> yes And then it's just down smooth sailing from here and the smooth last sailing last name. goes smooth down sailing mm-hmm. kessler uh, mm-hmm. easy it, you uh-huh. say it spell it how it sounds right? gable i'm gonna stop you right okay.
1: there uh gable <laughs> you know what um you're relieved
0: um thank you <laughs> i'll I, do, I, can, I will spell it i do i would love to hear a little bit more about this uh person that they're talking about i feel very proselytized right
1: now <laughs> no 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 okay. I guess, the holy words john kessler just, After me, all, just you're, you're producing a sign for us this is clearly a sign yes gable that we i've need got to be really
2: here. good news uh-huh. and his name is jk
1: okay john kessler. John kessler, right? how is it jk but you all seem to believe that kessler starts with a q <laughs> that, that well is the, a the, question. The, the french the french k is uh, with kids. You don't know K. who you are following. You don't know. Like, you, you're using this as an, you're using me as a vessel for your worries um, and your fears. I but you think need- I know who john kessler is i have a
2: personal relationship with booted off
1: the ship (laughs) into the water into the sea
2: just like a huge like (laughs) like sea monster
0: rears up from the ocean and just just
1: hope
0: slowly down (laughs) Uh, uh, i I just wanted uh, to tell you that i absolutely do i i didn't i i spelled it bad on purpose <laughs> to you do that, Gable? help you think of the next thing to get them off the ship. That is, uh uh-huh. that's what I did mm-hmm. for you.
1: Gable, we can, we can, we can work this out yeah. uh, later, but for now, I'm just going to need you to get these uh, religious fanatics off okay. of our ship. Okay. So we can just, uh, we can just take up anchor fan, and get out
0: of here. Fantastic. And just, just for, to prove that I know, could you, Spell your
1: name. <laughs> me? You want me to spell my name? Just
0: to prove that I know. You
1: want me to spell my name? Just to prove okay, that I Okay, fine. Know. My name is spelled the end of the segment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we black out.
1: <laughs> Sky ejects.
2: I like that nobody committed to spelling Jonet's name <laughs> At least nobody called him Jonate in that one.
1: Jo-nete. Jo-nete. Jo-nate. Jo-nate. Oh, jo- oh. Nut. All Joe Nut.
2: Campaign Skyjacks is a One-Shot Network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonat Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for the shortlist, Summer. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Madigo was played by Johnny O'Mara who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom E N T. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games.
3: And once for our friends near to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky